to give ourselves grace for why we you know doubt ourselves and why we have all these negative self-talk messages happening is because we've been subjected to these messages our whole life with all those little comments. I mean, I was um, always mistaken as the assistant, never the leader mm. and the playground I've mistaken as the nanny and not the mother, you know? And so you're constantly getting these messages coming in from the outside world, telling you you're not enough. And so you internalize it. And so yeah. I think understanding that, you know, this is part of something that has you know, our strategies and skill sets have been to put up this armor and to do yes. the things um, that we're trying to do to survive. You know, what I'm trying to say is recognize where those external messages come from, where, recognize where that negative self-talk comes from, give yourself grace, and then start building yourself back up. And welcome back to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. And this week, my guest is Trisha Montalvo-Tim. She's a corporate executive, board director, speaker, thought leader, and author. She is the first generation Latina who rose from the ranks of Silicon Valley, advising high-tech companies, big and small, culminating in the sale of data analytics software company called Looker to Google for $2.6 billion. Trisha is one of the few Latinas to have attained the triple achievement of reaching the C-suite, joining the boardroom and cracking the venture capital ceiling. Trisha's industry recognitions include the 2020 Woman of Influence and Latino Business Leadership Awards from Silicon Valley Business Journal. Trisha is also an advocate for women and girls who serve as a mentor, advisor, and investor in female-founded companies. With her book, Embrace the Power of Owning You, owning your identity at work. She hopes to inspire more people to embrace their true selves, own their heritage, and achieve more success and fulfillment in their work. Everybody, please welcome Trisha. Thank you for being on the Thank show, you. Trisha. Oh my gosh, I'm excited Thank to have you. this conversation. Let's talk about your fearless female journey. So take us from the beginning. Who were you before you became woman of the year? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Bella, for having me on the show. Um, well, I started uh, my life journey with very humble beginnings. Um, my parents are both immigrants. My mother is from El Salvador. Uh, my father's from Ecuador. And I was born down in Los Angeles. Um, and like many immigrants, they wanted the American dream for our family. Um, they uh, stressed education and uh, and thought with that I could have access to, um, you know, to the American dream. So early in my life, they moved us out of Los Angeles into an accompanying suburb, which was a predominantly white community. And so all of a sudden I found myself as one of the few Latinas in a predominantly white school. Um, and that sort of continued through my, from school into the workplace um, and early on, I noticed that my life was different than a lot of people, right? I mean, I spoke Spanish, everyone spoke English, you know, I ate frijoles, tamales, and my friends ate pizza, hamburgers. Um, and so, you know, my parents wanted, they were discriminated against. And so they wanted me to succeed. And so they encouraged me to assimilate. They said, if you assimilate, if you blend in, you will have more opportunity. And so I think that was the what formed who I was at the beginning of my, my life. And I assimilated and tried to fit into whatever environment was around me through high school, college, law school, ultimately the workplace. Um, and so from there, I would say my journey was 
really just trying to make it in corporate America. There are very few women, uh, especially I was a lawyer. So very few women um, lawyers in corporate uh, and, you know, very even fewer women of color and almost no Latinas. Uh, Latinas are the least represented. Um, and so it was very lonely. It was very um, hard to see yourself um, in any position of leadership. And, um, and so after, you know, two decades of hiding and changing who I was, I decided um, that really wasn't the road to success and, uh, and sort of went on this transformational journey to sort of reclaim myself and my identity, which led to, to the book and, and what I'm doing today. Oh my gosh. There's so much that I resonate with. I, because <laughs> I too am a Latina. Um, and I remember I also lived in Los Angeles and we moved to Riverside where at the time was predominantly white. And I really recognized the difference. And I too remember specifically like, you know, going through the McDonald's drive-thru and having to sit on my dad's lap so I can order because he couldn't speak English. And mm -hmm. I remember how differently my dad was treated, you know, mm -hmm. in circumstances because he couldn't speak English or because his English was broken. And I yeah. remember my sister's like they had that Latina accent, the Selma Hayek accent, which, you know, now it's a coveted sexy accent. But back then yeah. it was like, you didn't want to be different. You wanted to no. not have the accent. You wanted to sound American on the phone. You wanted to sound, I mean, I even hated my name. You know, my name yeah. in Spanish is Paola Aviles. And on a resume, I felt like they would see my resume and toss it to the side and go with like a yeah. Lisa Johnson or somebody, you know, yes. and, yes. and that's something that people don't understand who don't have that background. You know, I just mm -hmm. had this conversation with my husband in the car. Um, I'm a real estate agent too, and I'm working on a deal. And the guy was like, Oh, I'm going to have my daughter do it and blah, blah, blah. And, and in my mind, I'm like, I have my real estate license. You know, mm -hmm. like I'm going to do this. And even though he didn't mean it in like, uh, it still stings because I've mm -hmm. been in corporate and you feel mm -hmm. like because you're a person of color, because you're a woman that you are less than, and even though it, yes. his, he was doing his daughter, his daughter was white. And so I feel mm -hmm. like that, that's still that underlying thing that you still, and yes, it's a trigger. And my husband was like, don't get mad. He's just <laughs> trying to be nice. I'm like, but you don't understand what women, especially women mm -hmm. of color, um, and, and like you said earlier, women of color, and then there's women of color, and then there's Latinas at the bottom. Like, I feel like we're yeah. one step further down, you know, <laughs> like, we're not yeah. given the same respect as mm -hmm. other people in the workplace. So tell us a little bit more of like, when you really started to discover, like the differences, and what did you do? I know you assimilated, but what were your mm -hmm. things that you did in order to feel more included or feel like your mm -hmm. voice was being heard in the world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there's a lot that I resonated with your story just now. But, you know, I think early on, um, there were just things, you know, that, first of all, you don't see anyone, uh, you don't see a Latina in media, in in positions of power and influence. Uh, and so that's formed not only for the people that you work with or you're around, but also internally. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's part of the aspect in the journey of believing you belong in the room. And that's what a lot of my book is about is belonging begins with self-acceptance, but also how, you know, how do you get others to, to also start reframing uh, what a Latina leader looks like? But for me at the beginning, you know, I would, I have curly hair. So I would uh, straighten my hair because I thought, 
you know, having straight hair is professional. I, you know, wouldn't wear, I'm wearing my hoops. I wouldn't wear hoops because I thought, well, that's not really, I don't see other women wearing hoops. I don't want to be considered um, less credible if um, mm. if people are going to judge past judgment. And then I would just change my conversation. You know, I was, you know, I was, I had two kids while I was, you know, climbing up the ladder and I, you know, I had sort of the, that, that gender bias that was happening. So I wouldn't talk about my family or my kids or colic or all the things that we, you know, struggle with as working moms, um, because I didn't, again, want to, you know, jeopardize my career. And so it, you know, all of these things over time, you can do any one of them in the moment. Um, but over time, over and over again, you know, I spent one hour blow drying and flat ironing my hair every morning. You know, I spent a lot of energy um, trying to prove that I belong in the world to, you know, more and more credentials, academic credentials to justify my positions. And so there's this layer of energy that women of color in particular shoulder um, that others don't recognize. And over time, it becomes emotionally exhausting. Um, studies have shown it leads to anxiety, burnout, depression, uh, and it's it's just not good for your emotional well-being. Absolutely not. And, and it is, even though you believe that, you know, racism doesn't exist in the workplace, or you feel like we're in the, we're in year 2023, and that just doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen. It actually happens a lot, you know, yeah. and, and it's a, you know, an underlying thing where I, I personally know that I was not hired for a position, even though I was qualified and I have a college degree. <laughs> mm -hmm. They just assumed I didn't have a college degree or they assumed that I had children at home or they assumed, you know, that, yeah. you know, I wasn't highly skilled and couldn't do the job, mm -hmm. but there were some people that really did take a chance on me. And those moments were you, I just, even when they took the chance on me, I second guessed my talents and my skill set. Mm -hmm. And I felt like mm -hmm. I had to prove myself and I would mm -hmm. work longer hours and did all the things that I could do to show them that I was worthy. And it mm -hmm. really, I love that you said earlier, that's that part of your book where it says it's, it's truly self-acceptance because mm -hmm. most of the um, feelings are from us, you know, now looking yeah. back mm -hmm. at my corporate journey, I do remember thinking, um, in my head, I would always say, oh, it's because I'm the brown girl. It's yeah. because I'm the brown girl. And sometimes I would even say it out loud to my friends. Oh, mm -hmm. they didn't, they didn't do that to me because I'm the brown girl. And then I mm -hmm. realized like, Paley, you're the one causing that energy in the room. If mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. shed light on it, then they probably don't even see me that way, you know? So right. I, I right. love that, um, that yeah. you said that, that it is self-acceptance and self-love and just being able yeah. to be yourself and yeah. accept who, mm -hmm. who you are. So tell mm -hmm. us a little bit more and about like your Silicon Valley, like experience. Go ahead. I, I yeah. interrupted you. Oh, there. I was going to say, yeah, I completely agree with what you said, but also to give ourselves grace for why we you know doubt ourselves and why we have all these negative self-talk messages happening is because we've been subjected to these messages our whole life with all those little comments. I mean, I was um, always mistaken as the assistant, never the leader mm. and the playground I've mistaken as the nanny and not the mother, you know? And so you're constantly getting these messages coming in from the outside world, telling you you're not enough. And so you internalize it. And so yeah. I think understanding that, you know, this is part of something that has, you know, our strategies and skill sets have been to put up this armor and to do yes. the things um, that we're trying to do to survive you know, what I'm trying to say is 
recognize where those external messages come from, recognize where that negative self-talk comes from, give yourself grace, and then start building yourself back up and recognizing that our heritage, our gender, all our different lived experiences, whatever they may be, religion, sexual orientation, all the, all the different things, um, they're actually an asset. Like bringing those into the room, bringing that perspective into the workplace, into the conversations, it is so important right now in this world that we all get to know each other um, because we're all alike, more alike than we are different. And if we just get to know each other and, and you will start seeing that. So it's important to bring our whole selves to the room. Yes. And when you really start to look for the people that are an example that it can be done, there are many people out there that have broken the barrier, that have broken the stereotype and that have done, you know, and accomplished great things like you, for example, you know, the fact that you broke into Silicon Valley, the fact that you, you know, did the things that you did. There are people out there, if you search for them, that someone has already done and accomplished what you have wanted to do. But if you mm -hmm. continue the stereotype in your own head, thinking, no, mm -hmm. they see me as the brown girl, or they see mm -hmm. me as the, you know, like you said, the nanny. I remember my sister told me this one. Um, she's married to a white man, and they were getting something done in the house. And the contractor came to the house. She opened the door, and he said, can I speak to the owner of the house? And, you know, yeah. she was cleaning the house and she's, you know, obviously in her cleaning clothes and she looks at him, she goes, I am the owner of this house. Mm -hmm. Like she got mm -hmm. so irritated. She's like, yeah. I'm not hiring that contractor. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like that like happened all the time. Yeah. yeah. These things are put into your mind. For example, me, I, you know, in second grade, my Polish teacher told me, I can't pronounce your name, Paola. I deem you now Paola. And it's been Paola for the rest of my life because wow. in my sec, in my second year old or, you know, second yeah. grade year old mind, I thought I have to change my name in order yeah. for people to be able to even pronounce it, you know, right, and, right. and these are the things that are given to you, you mm -hmm. know, and they are still in your mind. And like you said, I love mm -hmm. that you said, you have to figure out where these things come from, where these ideologies mm -hmm. that were given to you growing up, mm -hmm. and where you have to break them in order to truly step into your own authenticity. Mm hmm. And we've been trained to, on that point around your name, we've been trained to make others comfortable mm -hmm. before we making ourselves comfortable. We're like, okay, well, we want to make everyone around us comfortable. Oh, if our name is difficult, I'm going to make it easier for you. Um, and that's, you know, where we have to start bringing our voice and saying, well, let me, you know, we can say, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, we, <laughs> you can say, you know, my name, let me help you. Let me, you know, guide you through how you say it. And um, and so I do a lot of that with in organizations to talking to managers and leaders about how it's their responsibility also to um, create spaces of belonging and things like, you know, asking people how to pronounce their name is on them. Oh, yes. Beautifully said. Okay. So mm -hmm. let's talk about your journey in Silicon Valley and like how that door opened and how you assimilated into that culture. Cause it's a whole world within itself, the tech business world. Cause I, yeah. I, um, was in the corporate world. I was in real estate. And then I married my husband who was in the tech, uh, who is still in the tech world. Um, and he started a company called Kajabi 
And I, you know, I didn't know what he did. And I, it was a whole uh -huh. different world because yeah. he had a company and I was his property manager. And I remember I would go into his office and there would be people playing ping pong and somebody writing yeah. on the chalkboard <laughs> and some other yeah, kid writing yeah. a skateboard. And I'm like, what? Yeah. He's sitting there smoking a cigar. And I'm like, what are you guys <laughs> doing here? Like, what is this world? <laughs> Yeah, I've worked in places that look exactly like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went to San uh, law school in Santa Clara, California, um, which is in the heart of Silicon Valley, um, back in the 90s. And uh, I did a ton of, and I knew, first of all, I knew nothing about corporate law, intellectual property law. I mean, again, my parents are immigrants. I mean, I knew the only, the reason I went to law school was I thought, um, I could use my language somehow and I was going to go into international law. Uh, I didn't know, even know what international law was, but I thought I'm bilingual. I can do something with it. Um, and that was kind of it, but I had the opportunity to do some internships work for some companies, um, in the Bay area. And then I was fortunate to get a, a summer associate position at a very large national law firm that represented big top tech companies and, and, promising startups. Um, and that was really the the huge door that opened because it was um, access to an incredible foundation of um, tech law and corporate law uh, and creating a network of people that I still, you know, friends today, 30 years later. Uh, and that just kept, you know, opening other doors as I kind of progressed from there. So um, yeah, it was just a huge opportunity. Oh, when but tell us it was really hard <laughs> because I think you asked, how was it? I yeah. think so, you know, for me, one, you know, one of the stories I share was, you know, as a first year young associate, you know, I was in, it was a, it was an old school law firm with predominantly white men uh, who were all nice, you know, but their lives were very different than my life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're playing golf and they're, you know, cuisine taste was different. Their whole life was different. They, many of them had their wives at home, you know, like there was just so foreign to what my life was like, yeah. um, that at the only time I felt comfortable there was at night when mm. I could put my hair in a ponytail, take off my heels and chat with the janitor because wow. the janitor, and I understood him. I understood his life. We spoke in Spanish. Um, I had, you know, I respected him for his work ethic. Um, mm -hmm. My dad used to work nights as well. So I always thought about his family and, you know, not being at home with his kids. Like I just felt very comfortable and it was a very um, conflicting time for me because I felt more comfortable talking to the janitor than mm -hmm. I did talking to these law firm partners. And I'm supposed to be this like, you know, up and coming corporate attorney. Yeah. Um, but there was no one that there was no one in leadership that shared the same experience as me. There were no Latin, Latinos or Latinos. Um, there were no black women or men, you know, so, or very few, you know, yeah. and it was just trying to, where do I belong was always the sort of the question in my mind. Yeah. It is kind of hard when you're open to a whole new world where you're like, uh, where do I fit in? I remember when I yeah. went from 
you know, working into a uh, real estate in Newport beach where everybody had boats and homes by the yeah. water. And like you said, yeah. they're golfing and they have a wife at home who doesn't have to work. And I remember I used to say, must be nice. It must yeah. be nice, you know? And then I became that, that wife that yeah. stayed home. And it, it does open up your mind to a whole new world and a whole new possibility of stuff, but it does make you feel guilty that you're on this other level where the rest of your family still hasn't experienced, you know, first class flights or dinners at a really expensive restaurant, you know, and you kind of sort of feel guilty, like, who am I to have been able to experience this? And why can't my family and you almost want to bring them with yeah. you. But there's also that fight where it's just kind of like they want to bring you down too. Yeah, um, at yeah. least in my family, I'm not going to speak for yeah. yours, but like it is kind yeah. of that way where they're like, who do you think you are? You know, right, you, right. you should like be down here. But there is that that like feeling of like, am I leaving my family behind because now I'm coming into this whole new world? But, you know, everyone has their own journey and everyone has the mm -hmm. right to discover the ways of which they want to live. And yes, you could still have that relationship with the person that you feel comfortable with talking to, but there's no way that you should lower your standards or lower mm -hmm. your skill set so that you make them feel comfortable. You know, right. like you did all the work. You got mm -hmm. to become a lawyer. You got to become partner. You got like, mm -hmm. you deserve all of that and more. Mm -hmm. And the more that people like you step up, it shows younger generations that that it can be done, that mm -hmm. you can leave the bucket of crabs and go mm -hmm. and become what, whatever that your heart desires. Like, I remember nice. I had no examples growing up. Um, I remember all my sisters became teachers because that was the easiest thing. You go to school, you see a teacher, you're like, I could do that, right? All my sisters mm -hmm. became teachers. And when I was going through college, they were like, well, just go get your liberal arts major. I mean, and for me, becoming a teacher was like, I would get panic attacks. I can't be in a room with mm -hmm. 30 children. Like I just can't. <laughs> yeah, me either. Um, me either. <laughs> but to have like that someone, if you were to have been like, you know, somebody in my family that I could look up to that I could be like, it, yeah. she did it. And that's what's so mm -hmm. important, especially in the Latino community to have these leaderships, uh, women in power, to have these women who have mm -hmm. broken the barriers. Like you said, we are a very small minority compared to other people of color that have broken the barriers. Yeah, yeah. And you know, what's interesting, Paula, is that um, there's even now I was just at, a, at an event um, where I was talking to a group of women executives and telling my story. And there was a Latina that came up to me and she works at a you know very well known high tech company that we all know, um, and a product manager. And she's like, where are all the Latinas? Mm -hmm. I don't know where they are. Like, I'm here alone. I want to find them, but we're not connected. We're yeah. not um, we're not coming together in community and supporting each other and um, and part of it is just telling our story. I mean, we you know we're head down trying to survive, trying to make it, but we're not lifting each other up as much as we should. So part of it, part of my message is to really inspire Latinas to be more visible, to because we need to see those role models. We need to be the role models we never saw. And if we're just head down, not you know being visible uh, with our success and being proud of it. Um, how do we expect the next generation um, to achieve the same? Yeah, exactly. I love that that's your message because we truly do need to to get together. <laughs> I was a, a speaker at a panel 
and everybody else was white. And the one Latina in the audience came to me and she was like, I'm so happy that you were there. Cause she was like, I was about to leave this conference because I could not connect or resonate with yeah. anyone's story until you mm -hmm. spoke. And then it was like, my heart was like gushing with pride that here's another yeah. Latina who has created a podcast, who's created a platform. She was like, wow, you are such an inspiration. And I mean, both of us were sitting there crying because we were both right. like, yes, I get where you mm -hmm. came from. You understand the plight of being a Latina woman. And, and that's a thing. It's like, we do need to get together. We do need to like, you know, lift each other up and help each other mm -hmm. out. You know, it's, it's something that you, the black women are doing perfectly, <laughs> right? Doing really good they're job. collaborating they're doing, and they're doing yeah. great. You know, it's like, they have created such a beautiful community of like lifting mm -hmm. each other up. And it's like, we need to do a better job as Latinas mm -hmm. of coming mm -hmm. together and creating that bond and showing mm -hmm. the younger generations it can be done. So tell yeah. us about your book and mm -hmm. what we can expect from getting your book. Yes. So my book uh, talks about my story and the story of others. And it goes through the journey um, from sort of when I started and to where I'm at today. Um, and it's for anybody who feels like an other in the room, who's trying to fit in and, um, and wants to belong, uh, but hasn't realized that really bringing their whole self to their workplace or to um, their life is really the path to success. And so I have lots of strategies and tips and how to, you know, for example, how to um, overcome or manage negative self-talk and imposter syndrome. Um, talks about seasons in our life as well. And it's also the secondary readers for that manager or leader that wants to create inclusive environments. Um, and I believe through storytelling, we create em empathy. And so through my storytelling, um, and at the end of each chapter, I've got some manager tips uh, to help managers think about what can they do to create more um, spaces of belonging for people. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's really resonated, particularly with um, Latinas and women um, who really, you know, struggle. Um, we're always, you know, from an early age, we always want to fit in and belong and, and it's no different as, as adults. And so how, you know, how do we overcome that and feel very comfortable and confident as ourselves. Oh, I love that. We definitely need to embrace who we are. I always think about, because my husband told me this just recently, when I was younger, I did not want to speak Spanish. I didn't yeah. want to speak Spanish because I didn't want to have my sister's acts, broken English accent. And I remember my sister went into both Spanish and English ESL classes, English yeah. as a second language, and she struggled a lot. So I was like, I don't want to go into Spanish classes. I only want to learn English. And I want to have like that perfect American Californian accent. And yeah. now I wish I would have learned more Spanish. Yeah. My Spanish is a little broken. Yeah. I don't rarely, yeah. I rarely use it. I, I wish I could speak fluently and write it because the Spanish market is a huge mm. market. And if you're, listen, if you're yeah. listening, Mr. Beast, who is a huge YouTube channeler, took all of his videos, hired someone on like, I don't know, Fiverr or whatever to, to reproduce his videos, but a Spanish overlay of his voice and he's tripled in size and revenue mm -hmm. because oh, Spanish. Huge. Yeah. It's huge. And now it's my, huge. my husband's like, you should get your videos and do that. And he's yeah. like speaking in Spanish. I was like, I wish <laughs> I, 
but I'll have to hire somebody to do it for me. But it is such an untapped market, you know, that we, and like when you're saying here, like, you know, these books are good for managers. There's a huge community of Mexican workers, of workers of uh, Latin descent who speak Spanish, who feel less than, who are not feeling like they belong. Mm -hmm. Like I've even watched people, like when they're speaking Spanish to each other, people who don't speak Spanish tell them, don't speak the language because we don't understand what you're saying. And it's Mm -hmm. like, what? Like, why don't you try to learn the language? Because it is the highest language that is being spoken in California, like Mm -hmm. learn the language so you could have a conversation with your employees and they could feel like they belong rather than Mm -hmm. making them still feel like they don't belong, you know, and Mm -hmm. making them feel like uh, they're an illegal alien when most of them have papers to work here, you know what I mean? Right. Right. right, right. Be working for you if they did it. So yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So- I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you tapped into that because the economic opportunity, and that's part of also a message I'm trying to convey is the economic opportunity um, is enormous. Uh, in California, Latinos are 40% of the population in the country. We're 20% of the population and our economic purchasing power. If we were a country, we'd be the fifth largest country in the world um, because of our GDP economic purchasing power. It is an enormous economic opportunity that is completely um, being untapped. Uh, That's why we need more Latinos and Latinas in leadership to voice the economic opportunity, not only because they have a different opinion, but because it's going to, you know, raise profits. You're going to make more money. (laughs) Um, There's a huge, there's a huge opportunity. Yeah. Huge. Okay. So as we wrap up this episode, what would be your nugget of wisdom for anyone who is listening? Oh, you know, uh, I think really, uh, believing that you are enough, you are enough exactly the way you were born. Um, and that you have skills, qualities, uh, to bring into the world, into the workplace, into the conversation that matter. Uh, and that that journey to self-acceptance um, is really the path to your success. Mm, I love that. That is definitely the best nugget of wisdom. The journey to self-acceptance mm-hmm. is the path to success because there's so many people still struggling um, to find their voice, to find the way to be authentic. Um, I had a client once who hated her accent and she's like, I just mm-hmm. hate it. I don't want to talk. I hate my voice. And I'm like, you don't understand people would die to have your accent. Like I love mm-hmm. accents. Anytime I go to a Beautiful. different country, I want to copy everyone's accent. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like you said, self-acceptance. If you could just accept who you were, you were born unique. You were born that way for a reason. Accept it. People will love you for, it. I mean, Oprah mm-hmm. was told she was ugly and that her name sounded yeah. stupid and that nobody would ever relate to her. This woman is a multi-millionaire billionaire. <laughs> like it yeah. works. The moment she embraced yeah. who she was, it yes. works. So do it guys. If you're listening, thank you again for listening to journey of a fearless female. Trisha, how can my audience find you? Uh, yes. Yeah. So you can find me. My website is Trisha Tim.com T R I C I A. Uh, timm.com and where and can I'm they on get your instagram and and you know and, and uh, linkedin and uh my book is available on amazon barnes and noble and really anywhere books are sold so Perfect. Uh, yeah you can 
check it out on Amazon. And, and if you love it, I would love a review because those are so hard to get. Uh, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yeah. I'm always asking yeah. for a review. Yes. Uh, and all of the links are going to be in the show notes for you to uh, be able to access Trisha. Thanks again for being on the show. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. If you're looking for a life coach or a spiritual mentor, you can book a free discovery call with me at www.fearlessfemale.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at fearlessfemale underscore coach. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at fearlessfemale or find me on TikTok. I'm under at paola.rosser. And if you love this episode, make sure you hit subscribe, share it with your friends and leave a review. I read every single review and I truly appreciate the time you spend writing it. 